This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. Well, why don't you turn to, um, to John 15. If you don't have a Bible while everybody's being seated, would you make sure to get a Bible in your hand? I see some... Uh, incredible servants passing out Bibles. Get a Bible if you don't have one and get to John chapter 15. A couple of quick announcements and we don't have a ton of time for to get there. Uh, I, I mean to get them to, to spend on them but I want you to mark down that we have uh, it looks like I'm missing a page. Did I miss a page? My goodness. Well I'm gonna have to just flow in the Holy Ghost. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, yeah, I got it. Um, so this Wednesday is uh, a class. If you have questions on that seat, Pastor Wayne, we do have um, we do have childcare. All the RCs come together, and if you know what's been taking place, is we're trying to take what's happening here. You'll hear more today, and press into that in more time together on what does it look like to live out these breathing realities. We're in a series called Breathe. So be here on Wednesday night. Bring your families and be ready to dive into this. Also, on the 17th, there's a cultural dinner. It's all the RCs bringing food together. We get in the RC, into the courtyard. All nations, tribes, tongues. We try to get as many uh, different kinds of foods from different nations and world. We love the diversity of this community. We love that all of us bring something to the table. Not just food-wise, we bring something. We're not the complete body of Christ without all nations, all peoples. And so we're so thankful for uh, what God's done here, and we want to continue to press into that. See, Pastor Josh, if you have questions on that, but come on the 17th. If you have more questions, look on Facebook. So with that in mind, as you're getting to John 15, I want to tell you a quick story. One of the things pastorally that... Um, that uh, I get to do is, uh, is counsel, and mostly because everybody knows I know everything, okay? Um, so they call me up and say, Pastor, you know everything, so uh, can we come and meet with you, right? Uh, I, I'm, I'm lying. That, that is not true. Uh, but I, I will say this. There is a, a sense of people calling in the midst of marriage crisis. So just recently, I got a call from a gal in the church who calls up and says, hey, listen, pastor. Now, they may or may not be in here, or it could be you. Who knows? I need some marriage counseling. Now, this one threw me off. This one, I have to be honest, threw me off because she, in my opinion, has the best husband that you could ever have. Now, listen, it wasn't Dana. I mean, uh, it wasn't my wife. Uh, I know just saying best husband kind of led you in that direction. Um, and I said, yeah, I would love to meet with you, but I was shocked, and I'm trying to think what's going on. I mean, this guy has a crazy, crazy love for her, and he serves her, he provides for her, he comforts her, and, and, he, and, and she, I, I mean, I'm not trying to be biased or anything, but she's trifling, right? I mean, for real, for real, right? Like, she is trifling, and, 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 and he is amazing, right? And so what you have to see in this is I'm trying to figure out what's the problem. So we sit down, and immediately she just starts talking, and she, she comes 
She comes 100 with it from the beginning, right? She's no surprise. She just lays it down. Pastor, I'm getting a divorce. Like not even, I think I'm getting a divorce. I'm praying about getting a divorce. And because of my understanding of this guy, I, I, I am like shocked. And usually I don't show my shock on my face, but I'm kind of like don't know what to say. I'm kind of dumbfounded. And so I'm sitting there, and she's just kind of talking, and I, and I can't understand what's happening. So finally, I kind of get over the shock and kind of muster up an opportunity to ask a question. I don't even know what to ask. And so I just say, well, what's wrong? She goes, well, I don't know what you're going to think about me or what, but I, I just, listen, we can't have babies. We can't have babies, and I want babies really bad, and we can't have babies. And so I, I gotta, I'm, I'm, I'm divorcing him. And now I'm, I'm trying. Like, now I'm just going, this is, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know how to, to act, and I look over at him, and he just hasn't said anything. He's quiet, and he's just crying. And she's just talking like, listen, pastor, we just can't have it. I really want it so bad. And I, and I, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm, I'm like literally shocked. And so I'm trying to hear her out and try to hear what's going on. And she's rambling and, and talking. And, and, and I'm trying to like, literally, I have no good questions. One pops into my mind. I'm trying to figure this out. I don't know if it was a good one or not, but I, I was like, is, it, is he sterile? And she's like, no. And that, that one, the, you hear, pin drop, no. The, okay, well then, it hit me. It's got to be her. And so I try to figure out a way. I I'm not, don't know how to ask a woman this question. But I kind of go, well, I try to soften my voice and try to make it as calm as possible. And, you say, is it you? She goes, no. Now I'm utterly confused, like most of you with dumbfounded looks on your face. Like you all look crazy. Like me, you all like, oh, is this for real, for real? So I'm like, okay, wait, You're, he's, he's, he's not sterile. And, and you can have babies. You both can have babies. And, and then she's like, listen, pastor, I have tried everything. I've tried to work really hard. I've, I've gone and had great experiences. I've gone and done every, everything everybody says that is just so great. All of it is amazing. I've tried everything, and none of it has got me pregnant. And she's listing off all these things. And then I'm, I'm feeling more awkward. I'm like, how do I ask? You know, if you know me, you know I have a hard time talking about the S word, okay? I have a tough time. Especially with, you know, people. I'm, I'm shy about it, okay? So I lean in and I, I kind of ask a question. I'm like, this is, I haven't heard her mention it yet. And I'm like, have you had sex? Right, I expected them to laugh. But she acted disgusted. She said, no, not at all. Like, I'm not into him like that. And if he was such a great 
and good husband, he could get me pregnant without it. Now, hopefully, you're starting to catch on that this is not actually a marriage counseling scenario. This is speaking of Christ and the church. That there are many people who are trying to produce the fruits of Christ without intimacy with Him. And the reality of the bride of Christ is they're acting shocked and wanting to walk away from Him because they can't produce. Let's turn to John 15 and stand together. As we read, let's remember this is God's word. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes and makes Bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever's abiding in me and I in him, he is that that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for servants doesn't know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You do not choose me, but I choose you and appointed you that you should go bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask of the father in my name, he'll give it to you. This is my command to you, so you will love one another. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Church, I'm going to spend a short period of time running through something that is honestly becoming more than I can feel adequate to, to, to speak of. So I've chosen in today and, and for these next few weeks for us to, uh, as pastors, we want to spend time making space for me not to just talk or pastors not to just talk, but for us to really enter into this reality. Church, 
we have been grasping for fruitfulness since the garden. We've been grasping for fruit since the garden. I want you to think of that statement and think of the original sin. The last time you ate fruit, you probably felt righteous. You're like, I did something good today. I didn't have a burger. I had an apple. The reality of fruit for us, it seems right. In the garden, they had so much fruit, but they were still grasping for it. And still to this day, we have been grasping for fruit and gasping for breath. We have reached after forbidden fruit so that we don't have to be in fellowship. Meditate for a minute on the first sin and how people since that original sin have reproduced that same reality where they've tried to produce the fruitfulness of God apart from God himself. Think of the sorcerers as Moses is delivering the children of Israel and he would have all of these miracles that he was doing. God said, do this and, 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 and do this and he would produce these incredible miracles and the sorcerers were hired to prove to Moses that they could do it and not even have God. But every time they produced something, the miracles of God would swallow up the miracles of man. Since the law was given, man has used the law and circumcision and land not as a gift from God, but as self-righteous rules in which they have to follow to produce goodness. We have used gifts of God and we have begun to take and grasp after them. You see, we should want to be fruitful, and we will be fruitful because it's a part of the creation mandate. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. We shouldn't feel guilty for wanting to be fruitful, but we shouldn't be grasping for fruitfulness. You see, what we're seeing in this is that fruitfulness is promised and it is expected, but it's impossible for you to control. Think about this. Fruitfulness is unpredictable. Have you ever thought about this idea of why Jesus says, listen, scatter seeds and it's going to hit all kinds of soil. How many of those soils actually bear fruit? One out of four. He's like throwing seeds everywhere and only one out of four are producing, which means he wasted three-fourths, if you will. So not only does it have to land on the right kind of soil, what else happens? Even on the right kind of soil... 
You don't even know how much fruit will come. Some 30, some 60, some 100. How do you determine who gets 30, who gets 60, who's 100? You don't. It's so unpredictable. What we have done is tried to come up with other means besides connectedness and a good gardener. Because the only way fruit is produced is if you're connected and you got a good gardener. So what do we do? We come up with new ways, try to figure out new ways to produce fruitfulness apart from connectedness and a good gardener. Sounds like another man of faith, Abraham, who didn't believe he could have a baby with this old woman he was with. So she said, I'm stare, go and sleep with this younger handmaiden and you can make for yourself. Let's, God's can't do it and he promised it. So let's come up with our own method of getting there. When we speak of abiding, here's what I hear. And this is going to be highly pastoral. Y'all are quiet anyways today. I'm alone up here by myself. It's all right. I'm connected to Jesus. All right. Oh, I don't need y'all in this. I'm going to stand up here and just stare y'all in the eyes. This is what I hear from you. This is what I hear from me. Why do I not abide? Well, pastor, I'm busy. I'm busy, 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 busy. I'm a very busy bee. I mean, you just ask somebody, hey, how you doing? And they jump straight to it. Oh, just busy, just busy, busy. Busy has become so much a part of our language, it's become our identity. You are so busy that God is too slow for you. He doesn't move fast enough. He doesn't meet your deadlines. He's too slow. I'm busy. God's slow. Selah. Church, I'm going to tell you this. Our busyness is going to end up sounding like in front of God, look at all I did for you. He said, well, depart from me with your busyness. Another one, we'll move on from that one. You're all too busy for that point. Another one. Is pastor, you know, from hearing this preaching, I've realized how jacked up I really am. Y'all love talking about how jacked up you really are. (laughs) Only when you finally realize it. You're like, I am so jacked up. I need him to move now. I need him to fix it. So tell me what I need to do to fix it now. 
I know, I know our marriage has been on the rocks for years, but pastor, I need it fixed now. I know I have been ignoring God for years, but I need him to fix this now. And because we need to be changed now, God is not efficient enough for us. We're all about efficiency. We want to find the quickest way to get things done and produce them as efficient as possible. Because he's slow, he doesn't seem efficient enough. He doesn't seem to be as urgent as you are. Which leads us to this next question, because after he goes, I ain't even trying to keep up with your busyness, nor am I trying to produce the same amount of efficiency that you think I should, then we get to that place. Well, if that's true, just tell me. Can you just take the rest of this time and tell me what I need to do to abide? Because I feel like I'm not doing it right. This is, a, this is one of y'all's favorites. For real, for real. This is one of y'all's favorites. How do I know if I'm doing it right? Okay, I'm going to try to abide. Is this right? How do I know if I'm doing it right? And that question reveals to us, it's hard not to be self-righteous. Self-righteousness is, is the sin that separates us from God. It's when we want to do it right so we can boast in our works. We even take that into our time with him. Constantly questioning, did I study enough? Did I pray enough? Did I get the homework done? Is he grading me? We live under this weight and we think it's coming from God, but it's actually our need to be self-righteous. And then, as all those idols get stripped away, we ask this question. Okay, I'll try it. I'll try it. Fine. Fine, I'll try it. But how do I know it will work? I tried. I've tried. I've tried. I've, I, I tried to just chill with him and like hang I tried to listen to him and I tried I've tried and it doesn't seem like it is working because we think something is failing if we think it's not working even that language shows us that what really matters to us is success With those demonic idols, we in Christianity, in America, have created a mechanical Christianity, a machine, if you will, technology that is efficient, that is self-righteous and self-sustained, 
We have created a Christian system that is built on pride. And we want to produce fruit. And we wonder, why is American Christianity a mechanically built, self-righteous, results-oriented, pride-based Christianity failing? Why? Because he's not in it. That system is not abiding in the vine of Christ. We're big. We're rich. We're powerful. We're loud. We love social media. But that's as deep as it goes. The reality is, if our abiding in Christ became the place in which we ran, if we took a minute and just began to realize that we need to breathe. I watch um, This Is Us. And yes, I'm a man, okay? I'm a grown man who watches This Is Us. Jack, on um, one of these most recent series, was saving his friend who is in the war, and he's about to die, if you will, or he's about, to, he's about to be helicoptered off, and he's in so much pain, and Jack is over there trying to aid him, and he grabs Jack by the face, and he says something to him. He said, we are so scared we're going to die, we forget the things that keep us alive. Church, I'm telling you, we are so scared Scared that we're doing it wrong, that we're not succeeding, that we're not getting it right. We're so scared we're going to die that we forget to do the things that give us life. Abiding. What does it mean to abide? I only have a few minutes to talk to you all about this because we're going to actually do it. And hopefully... This doesn't answer a lot of questions, but it encourages you to run to Jesus. What is abiding like? Well, it's the word that is used also is another word called remain. Have you heard that? Remain in me. Abide in me. That word remain is hard for us intellectuals, reformed theologically, all of this kind of scholasticism that we've fallen into has taken us away from something where we could actually learn from the Pentecostal movement. God forbid we learn something from us Pentecostals. I'm undercover. Y'all didn't know. Well, maybe you did. I ain't that good at being undercover. Pentecostals used to call it tarrying. Y'all don't know nothing about tarrying. Tarrying was when the mothers and the fathers of the faith would literally get in a room and just tarry for a while. 
And you go, well, how long? Until he came. Well, I only got an hour and a half. You might have missed him then. (laughs) They would stay until he came. All rooted in the idea of Acts chapter 2 where he says, stay in this upper room and wait. Well, when are you coming? Ah, when I come. Terry. The reality is, abiding has become extremely difficult for us because we've lost the discipline of tarrying. We don't make space for him at all. We don't wait on him. We need an answer now. And I'm giving you a deadline, God. Hey, six months, one month, a couple hours, here's where you got to move. And if you don't, I'm out. Here's what you do, God. I need you. I'll pray this long, but I ain't going longer than this. This is what's going to happen. You got to move. This is, and we become efficient, disconnected. Abiding will always produce something else other than efficiency. It will look like growth. If I treated one of my children like I treat a grown adult, you would call me a bad parent. But some reason, as a Christian, we think immediately we need to become perfect rather than having a good father who's going to grow us up in him. And if you're honest... You're like a rebellious teenager who wants to be adult but doesn't have the capability to do it. So your biggest desire is to be able to do it on your own. When am I going to get this? How long is this going to take? How long is growth and maturity going to have to happen? And we judge perfection rather than is there healthy growth happening? Fast growth is not healthy growth. Let me just tell you that. Matter of fact, when something grew fast in Scripture, it was the one that burnt up under tribulations. So just because something sprouts up fast doesn't mean they got roots. Abiding looks like trusting, meaning what's going to come out of this? What's going to happen? How do I know what he's going to do? Trust him. Do you trust him? Because what's going to come out is miraculous. It's a miracle. I want you to see what comes out in John 15 is a miracle. And he says, you can't do it. What I produce is fruit that remains and lasts and fruit that is healthy and fruit that comes. And it's real fruit. It's real fruit. And what is that fruit? It's the two things that you were mentioned at the end. It's obedience. It's hearing his voice. And it's doing it. And it's love showing that if you really know Christ, His love will flow through you to others. It actually has little to do with how much money you make, how independent you are. It has to do with a mature Christian is one who hears the voice of God and obeys and acts towards a people who aren't deserving of love the way Christ acted to them who aren't deserving of love. Because if you're connected to the vine and love is not throwing through, flowing through you, it's a sure sign you're not connected to the vine. 
Church, this reality of miraculous fruit shows, hear me on this, church, shows why the church in America is not seeing miracles. You want to know why? Because we're producing our own fruit. And we're missing the miracles in which what God does is far beyond. It's going to swallow up all of our mechanics. Because what you need, according to his word, what you need in abiding is you need to have a good vine and a good gardener. That's what you need. You need a good vine and a good gardener. Because gardening is not just about predictability because sometimes the gardener goes, I'm cutting that off and pruning. And you're like, that looks like decrease. Well, while you're decreasing, he's increasing. Sometimes a good gardener isn't going after success. He's going after health. And in order for something to be healthy, he's got to cut things off for more fruitfulness. Mechanics don't do that. It's all about numbers, success. It's all about producing, 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 predictability. You never cut things off. Decline is bad. But you need a good gardener. Church, I hope you don't mind that we may go a little late today. (laughs) And I ain't going to apologize. And if you want to leave, just let some of us tarry for a while. But I want you to hear this. We have the vine and the gardener. We don't just need it. He says it. He says it up front. You already have it. You have the vine. Now think of the vine who is Christ. This vine who is Christ came into a world that was separated from the true vine. And he separated, he was cut off from his father and grafted back in. And we are being grafted back in with him. And the only source of our life comes from us being connected to the true vine who cut himself off so that we could be brought back in. He went into the fire. You see this? That those branches will be cast into the fire. He cut himself off, went into the fire, and came back resurrected and grafted back into the vine because of love. I'm going to tell you this, though. Not only do we have the vine, we have the gardener. who's carefully tending and knows how to grow his children. Church, I want you to take a minute and do what my wife said in the beginning. Close your eyes. And our uncomfortableness with this reveals where our hearts are at. Take a minute and just kind of sit in all the things that we just talked about. 
Because I'm going to tell you this, I could preach something, but the Spirit needs to bring it into your heart. I want you to begin to ask Him. I'm going to give you a minute just to begin to ask Him. Not not what is He saying to everybody else, but I, I want you to just, what is He saying to you? What's He speaking to you right now, church? want to confirm something. The Spirit is moving in this church. Last week, Pastor Wayne asked everybody to listen, and he asked people to write down, what is God saying to you? As I went through all these cards, there's 20 or 30 here, I began to see God saying something to us, not just to you, to us, because everything that was written on these were so close to each other. I was like, God, you know how to talk to us. Let me read you some of this. Keep your eyes closed because I want you to just hear these prayers. Christ is pursuing the heart of his bride, the church. He'll bring us to the end of ourselves exposing our desperate need for him, tearing down the walls of self-sufficiency and intellect and independence. He is going to shine his light and expose everything hidden in darkness and make beautiful his bride that we may cry out and weep and cling to this and that we would know him and be healed like the woman with the issue of blood. Someone else says, God is telling me to spend more time with him in his word, not just with the structure, but being with him. says here let me read these condemnation he already knows that I'm struggling with condemnation but God is molding me and showing me that he's doing a work someone else says you're giving your spirit to be our life breath and strength Yet we try in our sheer willpower to measure up and appear obedient and muscle our way through. And yet in the deep places of our heart, we are unchanged. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. You are all we need. And you give us your very self. I feel God is telling me through this time together that we need to listen to him. I've been filtering things through irrelevant things, through nothings. I need to actually be with him because he's telling me something. He's telling me to listen. Someone else writes, my wife and I had a big discussion about this same thing, some big life changes. We agreed on everything, so I thought, well, while, I understood, while we understood each other, we didn't realize that we had deep tears and doubts in the plans made. We then argued, and we said we don't trust each other about these things, so we don't talk to each other. And then yesterday, 
this happens today. In this sermon, I realized how many times do I ask God to show me his plans, but I don't trust him to bring my deepest fears and worries. Church, y'all are hearing from God. You just preached that message last week before I even preached it. So right now in this room, as God's speaking to you, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you in a loud voice, in a short prayer, to pray out to God. Ask Him. Pray out so everybody can hear. And when you get done praying in a short prayer, don't preach a sermon, pray. Can the church say amen and agree together? Can we pray together as the church prays? So right now, church, begin to cry out. And then when they cry out, let's say amen. Yes. Yes, yes. Yes, Lord. Show us, Lord. Yes. Church, he hears our cries. He hears our cries and he speaks to us. He's not distant. He's right here with us. He hears every one of those cries and he responds as a good father. So now, church, as we gather around the table and sing, let's continue in this heart of prayer. The tables are open. Come hungry and thirsty for him. Continue to pray together. And church, we're going to end this time in worshiping our Father and coming to him. The tables are open. Let's pray. Let's partake. Let's celebrate together. This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com.